0: Well, you may be seated, and as you are settled, I invite you to take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. And at the rate we're going, we'll finish Matthew somewhere around 2030. But Matthew chapter 10, and this morning we want to examine verses 1 through 15. And as you make your way there, I want to say that uh, it's a joy to open God's Word to you this morning, to see what God has to say to us about His will for our lives. And there's a lot of things in the news that would seem to indicate that things are not going necessarily well in the world. I think the big word this week was recession in the news. You hear the word recession. Uh, Depression, war, famine, upheaval, or the opposite. Advancement, progress, prosperity, wealth, abundance. However you want to describe any situation, whether with a load of adjectives that describe a bad situation or a load of adjectives that describe a prosperous situation, it's good news to know That the advancement of the gospel, the going out of the good news of Jesus depends on none of that. The gospel does not piggyback on whether we're having prosperous times or difficult times. The mission of God and the mission of Jesus to save sinners is not dependent on a nation's status. It's financial status, it's financial well-being, it's financial resources. But also, the propagation and the sharing and the expansion, the the, the going and telling of the gospel is not dependent on a church's status. God did not farm out the Great Commission to megachurches only. He gives it to every church. In Romans 1.16, you know that Paul says that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. The gospel has its own power. You read the book of Acts, and the gospel spreads across every kind of barrier that might be put in its place. There's nothing that can stop God from doing what he wants to do when it comes to the spread of the gospel. But the gospel is the power of God, it has the power of God behind it. And because it does, that means all of God's resources are at our disposal for taking the gospel from here to the ends of the earth. We are limitless because God is limitless. It doesn't matter how big our building is. doesn't matter how big our budget is. It's not just the churches with a million-dollar budget that are called to participate as churches like Popular Spring. It's not the matter of a, a, a building or a budget because the mission of God is not dependent on any of those things. It's not dependent on the quality of our singing. Thank God. <laughs> the spread of the gospel is not dependent on the, the, whether our ministry programs are well-oiled machines. It's only dependent on God's power and provision. And His power and provision are limitless and abundant in supply. And so last week we talked about how God might be calling you. He does call all of us in one sense to be on mission, but is God calling you? And we remember, we prayed that God would raise up people from Poplar Spring to take the gospel to the ends of the earth and to other places in our country that, that needed. And maybe you sensed a call. Maybe you thought, maybe you've been thinking about it, about it this past week and the questions are beginning to roll in. And perhaps you know that we as a church ought to be doing something, but you're unsure how. And so whatever the case may be, the questions might be the same. How do I participate? How do we participate? How does Popular Spring Baptist Church do it? And if we're being honest, many of those questions might fall under what we would call logistics. right? How do we pay for it? How do we go? How do we have these resources? And this morning, we'll see that the Word of God answers exactly that question. It answers many of these concerns as we look at the commissioning that Jesus gives to His 12 disciples to go out and do ministry. And this text is instructive for us, and we will glean several truths that we need to keep in mind as we consider going, and as we go, we need to keep these in mind. So beginning in chapter 10... We're about to launch out into another larger discourse, a larger section of teaching, like the Sermon on the Mount, and it's a section that really goes all the way to Matthew chapter 11. And this major section really started in verse 35 of chapter 9. It says Jesus was going around, he was preaching, and then he was teaching. And here Jesus is portrayed as this Messiah, shepherd, king. Remember we talked about he came to save his lost sheep. There was sheep without a shepherd. If you look at verse 6, Jesus says, Go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So these are connected. And so the theme from last week carries over to this week. Jesus says, Pray for workers, to the Lord of the harvest for workers. And then immediately after that, we have this account of workers being sent out. And so in our text this morning, I think we could divide it up into two sections. The first section is verses 1 through 4. It's the description of the commissioning of the disciples. But then in verses 5 through 15, it is a discourse or a section on teaching about commissioning. So let's read and see what Jesus has to teach us, what the Word of God has to teach us. In verse 1, chapter 10, it says, Summoning his twelve disciples... Jesus gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, who is also the author of this gospel. James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus. Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. In verse 5, Jesus sent out these twelve after giving them instructions. Don't take the road that leads to the Gentiles, and don't enter any Samaritan town. Instead, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim, "'The kingdom of heaven has come near.'" Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you received, freely give. Don't acquire gold, silver, or copper, or money for your belts. Don't take a traveling bag for the road, or an extra shirt, sandals, or a staff, for the worker is worthy of his food. When you enter any town or village, find out who is worthy and stay there until you leave. Greet a household when you enter it, and if the household is worthy, let your peace be on it. But if it is unworthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone does not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that house or town. Verse 15, Truly I tell you, it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Let's pray together. Lord, give us ears to hear and hearts that are willing to obey what we see in your word this morning. Holy Spirit, show us exactly what we need to to hear and see uh, to go out into a world and follow the instruction that you give. Lord, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this morning, we're going to see three truths. Really, what we're going to do is we're going to break up the main idea into three parts. And so the first part of the main idea, the one thing I want you to take away is that Jesus gives a mission. Jesus gives a mission. Don't put a period because there's more that comes after this. But Jesus gives a mission and we see this throughout the passage. Notice in verse 1 it says that he calls his 12 disciples and he gives them authority. But notice in verse 2 uh, um, verse two. It says, these are the names of the 12 apostles. So they were called disciples, and now they're called apostles. And the word apostle just means someone who is sent out. So it's so essential, this mission of being sent out, that Jesus calls them apostles. And we get to the book of Acts, and they become, you know, capital A apostles. And they all died, and there, is no more, there are no more capital A apostles around But there is a sense in which every believer who is a disciple is an apostle. Every person who claims to follow Jesus is someone who is sent out to take the message to those around them. So they're called disciples, but then they're called apostles. And apostle just means someone who is sent out. But then you see in verse 5, it says, don't take the road. So they're going out. But then in verse 6, go to the lost sheep. And as you go, right? Where do we hear this language? At the end of Matthew, right? Jesus says, All authority has been given in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples. So here, this is a mission for the twelve to go to the Jewish people to proclaim the kingdom. But it sets a template or a pattern for what will be expected when we follow. So there's a difference, but there's also similarity. And we emphasize the difference because sometimes people might read this and think, you know, when we go out on the mission field now, that we can't take gold, you can't take money, you can't take a belt, you can't take extra sandals. That's not what we're saying. But there are principles here that I think Jesus is instructing his disciples. But it all starts with this mission. And that fuller mission that we are given is in Matthew 28 and it's in Acts 1.8. In Acts 1-8, Jesus says, but you will be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, right? So it changes because here he says in verse 5, don't go to the Gentiles or enter, enter any Samaritan town. But when Jesus gives the great commission in Matthew 28 and Acts 8, it's go to the ends of the earth. And so Jesus gives a mission. A lot of times believers will say, I don't know what God's will is for my life. Am, am I supposed to take this job or that job? And I, and I get that. But at, underneath that, you already know or at least should already know what God's will is. And that is the mission that he's given. This is a mission that is connected to Jesus's mission. You say, how do we know that? Well, look at verse 7. It says, as you go, proclaim the kingdom of heaven is, has come near." Okay, that's the message. Flip back to Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. Jesus, in his first recorded sermon, he says in verse 17, Then Jesus began to preach, repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. It's the same message, right? So it's the same for us as well, that the kingdom of heaven has come near, that God sent His Son, who lived a perfect life, who never sinned, and died on the cross to take the penalty and the the judgment that we deserve for our sin. The kingdom of heaven has come near. means that God is doing this great work and that it has come near in Jesus Christ. And Jesus gives us a mission to go and take that good news and to proclaim it. So notice, Jesus gives a mission, but then at verse 7, here's the second part of the main idea. Jesus gives a mission with proclamation at the center. With proclamation at the center. Look at what it says. I'll give you a minute to write that down. Jesus gives a mission with proclamation at the center. He says, don't go to the road that leads to the Gentiles. Now, why would, would Jesus say that? Well, because this is pre-cross. This is pre-coming of the Holy Spirit. And I think it's very uh, within reason that Jesus did not want to jeopardize uh, the mission by uh, sending out the disciples into a Gentile and Samaritan mission field before, it was, before they were ready. Uh, but also, if you remember Romans 1 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. So Jesus limits their mission to the house of Israel. It's kind of like a trial run. You know, he's letting them go out on their own to to experience it, to test the waters But it has proclamation at the center. So verses 5 and 6 is essentially go, right? Go to the lost sheep. And then in verse 7, as you go, what are you to do? Proclaim. Proclaim the kingdom of heaven has come near. And so here we have to recognize that the, the mission that we have has at the center a message. And it's a message that we have to proclaim, We have to share it. God gave us salvation in a message, the gospel. And the gospel has to be communicated. And so notice Jesus does say, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, drive out demons, right? So there there is a ministry there. They are doing these works, but it's not separated from proclamation. And here's where there's always a danger is to separate these two. And so let me put it this way, okay? Paying for someone's coffee at the drive thru, that's not evangelism. Right? Paying for someone's meal without telling them, that's not evangelism. Uh, Cutting someone's grass without them knowing, that's not evangelism. Why? Because there is the absence of the message. And so it's not an either or, it's a both and. So one of the dangers is that we separate proclamation and blessing. And I I think we have to be careful to make sure we do both. But the, the other danger is that we, instead of separating them, we substitute the deed for the declaration. Right? There's this quote in church history that says, Preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. And that sounds good, right? That'll preach. You could put that on a Caruso t-shirt and sell it in a tourist trap, you know? That sounds great, but Jesus came preaching. The apostles preached. It's a message that saves. Not niceness, not kindness, but it is a message of Christ crucified for sinners, We have to make sure that they know, number one, that they're sinners. We have to make sure that they know that they can't save themselves. We have to make sure that they know that Christ came and lived a perfect life that they could not live. They need to know that Christ died in their place and that he took all the punishment that they deserve. And that if they would trust Christ, if they would place their faith in Jesus and rest in him alone for the forgiveness of their sins, they can be saved. You can't get all that by just paying for a meal. And so they, they do have proclamation at the center. And so I want to encourage you. And, and I get it, okay? I get it. I understand the temptation. And the reason I understand the temptation for this is because I do it myself. I, I have convinced myself at times. Somebody stops by the house or is stuck or they need help. Give them a bottle of water. And and I confess, there are times when I I have given them a bottle of water and, and I never got around to sharing the gospel. And then I start walking away like, I just did evangelism. And then it's like, nope. Just giving them a bottle of water is being nice. We must have proclamation at the center As you go, Jesus says, proclaim the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, notice the message is about a kingdom. That's not something many people really want to hear about or like to hear about. Because the minute you say there's a kingdom, that means there's a king. And the minute you say there's a king, that means there's someone to whom they owe obedience and allegiance. That they ought to defer... And uh, submit to. It's not a popular message per se, right? It got Jesus crucified. <laughs> it, it got it, it endured persecution. In fact, notice if your Bible talks about in verse sixteen, what, what's the little section heading for, for at verse sixteen? If you have a separate section, what, what does it say? persecution will come, right? So Jesus, we're going to get there, but understand that the, the, popular, the popularity of the message does not change the fact that proclamation has to be at the center. Whatever we do as a church, as we go out, we have to make sure that we're not simply just meeting material needs, as good as that may be, but that we're also proclaiming the gospel. So Jesus gives a mission with proclamation at the center Okay, here's the third part, calling us to trust his provision. So Jesus gives the mission with proclamation at the center, calling us to trust his provision. We see this in verses 8 through 15 where Jesus essentially talks about everything that you might want to take or you might want to trust to accomplish the mission. And so let's just walk through some of these, okay? Look at verse 9. Don't acquire gold, silver, or copper for your money belts. So Jesus gives a mission. We are to go take the gospel. And it doesn't depend on how much money we have. There's no need to trust in money. So... The, the question might be, okay, I feel called. I know I'm supposed to do this, but but how do I do this? Where do I find the financial resources? doesn't matter. He says, don't acquire gold. Don't do it. Not just don't acquire gold that you don't need to take it with you, but don't go and use this ministry as a means of enriching yourself. And so in another sense, let's just go ahead and say it. Gospel ministry, gospel proclamation is not meant, to make you wealthy. But there's no need to trust in money. And I think that's important for a church our size. Well, we, have a, we have a budget that we have. For, for the size of church that we have. And, and it might say. We want to go to the farthest nation. To reach a people group. And then we look at our budget. And we might say. I don't know how to get here. From here to there. So. We're not trusting in money to accomplish this. We're trusting in God's provision. So we don't trust in money. But then notice also he says, don't take a traveling bag for the road or an extra shirt, sandals, a staff. Why? What are all these? These are material possessions. So not only we don't need to trust in money to accomplish the mission, but we also don't need to trust in material possessions, right? Now, this this is not just for missions, right? This, This is... For here and now, right? So, the the gospel and the fruitfulness of Poplar Spring Baptist Church has nothing whatsoever to do on our building. It doesn't. And you want to know how we know that? Because it happens all around the world in places that in churches that have no buildings, in buildings that are we might say in worse shape than ours. It happens in buildings that are in better shape than ours. It literally does not matter. And so here's where we start to, to think like, you know, people won't, people won't want to come to Poplar because of, of the building and their facilities or the budget or the music or the whatever. The gospel does not need to piggyback on any of those things. And so we can set our sights on the far reaches. We can set our sights on Uganda. We can set our sights on Asia. We can set our sights on Latin America. We can do all those things because we're not limited, because God's not limited. So we don't need to trust in money. We don't need to trust in material possessions. But then look at verses 11 through 13. He says, well, back up in verse 10, literally Jesus says, for the worker is worthy of his food. Jesus says, go out on this mission And trust me, I'm going to provide food for you. Don't take extra clothes, but I will make sure that you're fed. That What a remarkable call to to faith, right? Go out. Don't take anything. Don't even take extra sandals, right? Okay. Now, I, I don't want this to be offensive, but ladies, could you imagine if your husband said, let's pack for vacation and don't take but one pair of shoes? Let's flip it around. husbands. Pack for vacation, and you can only take one pair of underwear? This is a, this is a level of discipleship and, and, and following where we are thrust out in trust on Jesus' provision. But going back to verses 11 through 13, it says, When you enter a town or village, find someone, or find out who is worthy, and stay there until you leave. Greet a household, and when you enter it, if it's worthy, let your peace be on it. If it's unworthy, let your peace return to you. Now, when he talks about worth, it's not saying, you know, you know find the, the, the wealthiest, find the, the greatest person who has the greatest reputation, and then go stay with that person. A good way to translate it might be, find the place that's good enough, Right? So Jesus understands that there may be places that might not be the best place to stay. And, and maybe you could go maybe one star higher. if We could put it that way. But then also, we're not, we're not going to the mansions and we're not going to these great big houses to find find good enough. Find good enough. And when you go there, stay there until you leave. And so... We don't need to trust in money. We don't need to trust in material possessions. But then as we go, we don't need to worry about lodging, where we stay, where are we going to stay? What's it going to be like? Jesus says, you will find it. He says, when you greet a household, when you enter it, and if it's worthy, let your peace be on it. In other words, stay there and don't feel bad about it. If you find somebody who's willing to take you in as people representing me, Jesus says, if they're willing to take you in... Then then by all means, stay with them. But then he says, if you go and you find it's unworthy, let your peace return to you. In other words, if somebody says, yes, oh, you represent Jesus, all right, yeah, come to my house, it's great, I'll take care of you. And then you get there and it's not what you expected. Jesus says, it's okay for your peace to return to you and you leave. But then notice what he says Don't worry about lodging, you'll find those places. But then, in verse fourteen, if anyone does not welcome you or listen to your words, shake off the dust of your feet and leave that house or town. So he says that if they are not welcoming you, leave. Right. And so here's here's where we get a little bit of uh, a little bit of pushback against this idea. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but have you ever been sharing? the gospel with someone, and it's just obvious that they're not going to, uh, th- there's no progress being made, you know. I remember when I first became a Christian, it was like, I can't leave this conversation. And so I felt like I had to stay there until either one of us passed out from exhaustion or, you know, they just finally surrendered to Jesus. But Jesus says, look, if you go and they don't welcome you and they don't listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet and leave. Now, why would he say that? I think it's because he's saying that we don't need to worry about the results. Remember, we said last week, he's the Lord of the harvest. It's his harvest. So if we go and we're not welcome and the, the household is not worthy and they won't listen to us, then we shake the dust off your feet. Now, what does it mean to shake the dust off your feet? Well, in the first century, what Jews would do is if they went into a, a Gentile town or they were in a Gentile uh, location and they were leaving, they would literally take all their clothes off. They would wash themselves and it was kind of a way of say like, I'm washing myself of you, right? I am, I am done with you. I am uh, you know, I am, I am washing my hands clean, essentially, as it were. And Jesus says that if we go somewhere and they don't receive, they don't hear, they don't welcome, then shake the dust off your feet. Right? And there's, there is a sense in which we don't need to worry about the results because we don't create the results. We can't manufacture the results. So we don't need to be worry about results, and we also don't need to worry about rejection. He says, if they do not welcome you, leave that house or town. But then in verse 15, truly I tell you, it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. So we may be rejected as we go, but it's not us that's rejected so much as it's Jesus that's being rejected. And Jesus says, it'll be better for Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Now, that, that's, a, that's a serious thing to say. Because you remember what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Like, it was destroyed by God because of their wickedness. And so either... so. We go, we don't worry about our money, we don't worry about whether we have enough money, where we have enough possessions, whether we have a place to stay and what it's like. We don't need to worry about the results and we don't need to worry about rejection. So all of that stuff aside, when we say, is God calling you, does this not deal with maybe 90% of all the objections and concerns? God's calling me to go, but how will I afford it? There's no need to trust the money. God's calling me, but, but what if I go and there are no results? That's not really up to you. Well, what if God's calling me? Where am I going to stay? He'll provide for you. Jesus gives us a mission with proclamation at the center and calls us, he calls us to trust in his provision. If Jesus is going to provide everything we need for the mission that he's called us to, then we have nothing to hold us back. The only thing that will hold us back is our disobedience. We've been called to go. We've been given a mission to share the gospel and to trust it all to Him. Success in this mission is not about results, but about faithfulness. If we are faithful to share, then we will be successful. And faithful at the mission that Jesus has called us to. And so maybe you're here this morning and you know. You know deep down that, that you ought to have shared this last week. Or that you had an opportunity and you didn't take it. Or you know that it's been a while since you've shared. This is your reminder and an invitation To participate in this great mission. But maybe you're here this morning and you don't uh, don't know what all this is about, and and it seems like this is something that's foreign to you because you don't know Jesus. And, And here, the most important thing you need to know is that God proved his love for you, and that while you were a sinner, while you were God's enemy, he sent his only beloved son to die for you. He showed immense, immeasurable unbelievable love in that he sent Jesus and Jesus died for you. That's the Jesus that we want to share with everyone else. And that's the Jesus we want you to know about this morning. So as we come to a time for you to respond to the word of God, I'll be down here at the front. And if there's any way I can pray for you, let me know come and i'd be happy to pray for you but but this is a chance for you to to do what you need to do with the lord maybe god has laid somebody on your heart that you know you need to share with and 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 it's not so much disobedience as you've you've found reasons not to you've you know you you were busy one day and something came up the next day and it the week just got away from you but maybe today's the day where you commit hey today i'm going to i'm going to go talk to that neighbor today i'm going to go share Uh, with the person who brings our food to the table at lunch, whatever it is. But let's take a moment and respond to God's word uh, together.